Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cockcast podcast. Crystal Palace nil, Liverpool seven brackets. The word seven. Close brackets. Teletext for all you kids out there. It's Liverpool's biggest win away. It's the biggest win since 1989. It's their biggest one away from home in the top flight in their history. Seven different assisters in one game for the first time in Premier League history. And this team just continues to break all kinds of records. The front three get a goal and assist in the same game for the first time in the Premier League. And the piece de resistance, this is the game where Klopp has um, overtaken Rafa Benitez in Premier League games won on 127. Dave Caron in Brazil, how well did that set your weekend up? Uh, Dave, it's it's not how well it sent my weekend up. It's just been a slow, like you know, the Tottenham game was great. You know, you you put it in our group. You know, slowly but surely we're we're, we're falling back in love with it again after after like months and months of complete and utter apathy. I think is is the way, and and I think you know momentum is the word that we're, I want to talk about as we go on in the pod, and I think that's what we're starting to get is momentum. All in that, I'm grand, dude. I'm I'm over the moon, and uh, generally in life, I I'm high on life. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm feeling pretty high on life at the minute myself. Uh, Neil Patterson and Berlin. But is that assisted? Is that, is that assisted? <laughs> high on life, Dave. I said <laughs> just to clarify for any for any of our listeners out there. Um, and uh, Neil Patterson and Berlin, Chief. It's you know this team just continues to yeah, it just continues to just obliterate any record that's in front of them. They're literally like. They're they're flicking through the archives of the most obscure records and just going right. There's another one. Let's break that, and they just go and they do it. Absolutely, the liver bird goes from strength to strength. Really, Um, it's we're breaking records we didn't even know existed. Like, (laughs) um, and it's it's wonderful. I mean, we're going to go on obviously and, and and talk about the match and how it probably wasn't our our best performance of the season necessarily but certainly our most clinical and you know as far as I can see it the lads really wanted to put a marker down yesterday and and that's exactly what they did six points clear at the end of at the end of the match yesterday and though that might be maybe maybe cut down slightly today after results we're still certainly going to be a minimum of three clear at Christmas and um the rest of the teams you've got your work cut out lads um good luck yeah, absolutely. Dave, I, you know, I, there's so much to talk about. And um, what, where I really want to start is the fact that Spurs came to Anfield on Wednesday night as our biggest challengers at that current juncture. Our and latest challengers, you should our, maybe say, Dave. You know, the latest team to find themselves in the position where they feel they're challenging, challenging yes. us. So let's maybe let's maybe re, let's maybe rephrase that. The latest pretenders, and they were swatted aside, albeit with a last minute goal. But boy, did that fire up the lads! And that Spurs team had gone to Crystal Palace. They'd got an early goal. We thought, Jose, that's it. They didn't take their chances, and they succumbed to one-one. And not only that. Leicester rocked up today 
and beat them 2-0 and probably should have beaten them more and we dismantled them and going to Palace and winning 7-0 it really does make a statement to the rest of the league and everybody out there that we are levels and levels above anybody else right now Quick simple question yes or no Dave does does that that surprise you in any way (laughs) (laughs) like it does. No, okay, you look way with so, different, with so different type Dave, of season. So it surprises me a little bit because you know I've been quite vocal. There's there's been a little bit concern, a little bit of concern from me about our away form because it hasn't been great. We've won three consecutive games once this season. It was the first three games, um, but to go there and don't get me wrong, it was I don't probably maybe scrapes into our top five performances of the season, but. The level of finishing was just a completely another level. Like there was just eleven killers out in that pitch today, wasn't there? Or not today, but Saturday, eleven killers yeah, yeah, out in that no, pitch. It's exactly true, Dave. Look, we've listened to, we've we've had as a fan base to listen to. Oh, they've lost Van Dyke. There's no way they're going. To, oh, and then the next, but the next excuse is, oh, they can't win away from home. Well, we just won seven away from home. Every question that the the the, the, the media, you know, and 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 I think we 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 spoke about it. You know, they love to build you up to knock you down, but with this team, it's very very hard to knock them down. And and look, Palisson is not an easy place to go at any time. And they haven't, you know, Palace have been all right. Okay, they've had a mixed bag of results, but they just never got a sniff. We, you know, we were we from from minute one. You know, you've, you've Minamino scoring. The early goal really does help. It it breaks that means that they have to come at us a little bit more. But the minute they came at us, we just reverted back to it was like three seasons past, Dave. Whenever it was that mental heavy, it was the heavy metal metal football. But as you rightly pointed out. This wasn't our best performance of the season. It was our most clinical performance of the season. The best performance, no. And, you know, I, I, I can't pick a man of a match with a wafer, only by a wafer, um, because they were all excellent. Every single player on that pitch gave everything. And that would, will be a scary, scary reality for any of the, of the other managers, teams, fan bases watching us. Because I, I, I mentioned that word momentum, and you know we've been we've been there and we've been at it, and you know we've had better performances than that at the weekend, and and we've been there or thereabouts, and we've had draw at Brighton, you know the the the, the anomaly that was the the seven two at 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 uh, Villa, you know what I mean? That the, the, it was an anomaly, but these things happen to teams, and and and, and it's, it's not what happens to you; it's how you react to it, and here we are. Mid December, coming into the Christmas period, as you rightly say, you know, we, we, we laid the marker down, firmly laid the marker down against Spurs. And this is the continuing momentum after that. And and it's something that I don't see stopping. Because one thing about this team, and you know, you talk about Henderson being critical of the team and they weren't you know uh you know they were sloppy in phases, which they were because we gave up quite a few chances, which which seems to delight um, the naysayers who who think we we can't win the league, um, but uh, we were sloppy, but it didn't amount to anything. And being sloppy is something we can tighten up very very easily and resolve very very quickly. Um, and I think we, I I just think we go from strength from strength to strength here. I don't see any any backward steps from here on in. You know, uh, you know, I, I've engaged with United fans on Twitter. I went back on the Twitter again last night because they were pissing me off. 
And, you know, it's like, oh, if we win our game and Hamm are only two points behind you, yeah, but put 20 games winning together. Can you do that? If you do that, I might believe you. But until then, no. But the one thing that we know is that this Liverpool team has that in their locker. They have it all day long in their locker. And all of a sudden, we just seem to be hitting form. And we just seem to be hitting form at a time. You know, with the, the Ox coming back there yesterday um, got minutes. With Naby Keita come back, got minutes. Slowly but surely, all of our... Our injuries are starting to alleviate just a little bit. Fingers crossed they don't don't amount to any more. But slowly but surely, we're only going to get better. We're only going to get more efficient. We're only going to get more ruthless. It's ominous for, for, for the other teams, Dave. It is ominous, Chief. Um, let's be honest. We've seen this before. We've seen this Liverpool team, you know, let's say struggle. But it's not the right word. We've watched this Liverpool team the last two or three years um, go about their business in the first 12 games of the season or so, get results, grind out results, not be the easiest on the eye until the big game, until the big teams come to town. Um, and people were saying last season, the season before, this isn't the Liverpool team that we know because it's not that swashbuckling football. Um, but there comes a time which it did in the last two seasons where we just start to open up and stretch our legs out. And after that win against Jose Spurs, where they were, quote unquote, the better team, the little pony, um, we've gone out there Saturday, half 12, the fabled horrendous kickoff time um, against a team that, let's be honest, Although we've beaten them, like, I think the last five times we've gone there, it's never been easy. It's been a goal here. It's It's been the, by the odd goal. But we went there and we just sent in blinking lights to the rest of the, the, rest of the, the league that, that's... If you want to come at us, you're going to have to do a whole lot better than you're doing now. It's one of it's 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 an odd fixture in the sense that um, it they were a little bit of a bogey team for a short period of time, namely around the Brendan Rodgers era, the end of the Brendan Rodgers era, the beginning of the Klopp era. Um, obviously, Stephen Gerrard's last game at Anfield, Palace come and beat us three one at home. Uh, which comes off the back of the 6-1 or 6-0 or whatever it was away at Stoke, that absolute horror of a result that I've tried my best to expunge from memory. And then, of course, famously, as the, the Sky and BT sport pundits and commentators never fail to remind us, um, the Christian Benteke 2-1, uh, I believe, in Klopp's first season in charge. So... Um, so yeah, I think that was an Anfield. Though I'm not quite sure, can't quite can't 100 remember, but uh, I think it was. I think it's the last game we lost at Anfield, actually going back. So I mean, that really signifies it. Uh, and yeah, while we have squeaked the odd result there, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think we've generally been in control. I know Andy, one of our one of one of the lads in the group here, referenced the four three, but I believe we were two nil and three one in that game and four two in that game. Um, and we end up at 4-3, but we're never in any danger. I think there's a 4-2 where Lovren and Matip both score 
Um, I think that's at Selhurst Park a couple of seasons ago. So generally, we apart from that little run, is what I'm saying, apart from that three-year sort of run where we've got Rodgers and, and the very beginning of the Klopp era, which is sort of a hangover from, from the previous time, Palace haven't been too much of a of a bogey side for us. Uh, obviously, we have our biggest ever top flight win against Crystal Palace, the 9-0 back in 1989-90. And, uh, or is it, you know, it's 88. No, it is 89-90 because we go on to lose against them in the semi-final of the Cup that year. And United go on to beat them in, in a replay and win, win their first trophy of the Ferguson years, I believe. Um, so there's a bit of history there with us in Palace. But we've gone there and from minute two, where Minamino takes that, Excellent touch and smashes it in the bottom corner. We just look absolutely on it. Like, you give us a chance, we're going to take it. There's going to be no messing about today. There's going to be no rueful smiles and, you know, and, and, and chalking that one down the experience and waiting for the next one to come along. It's, we're sticking this in the net. Eight, eight shots on target, seven goals. That says it all. Um, it's probably the most clinical exhibition of finishing you're likely to see in a 90-minute football match, a competitive 90-minute football match for sure. Uh, it's absolutely devastating. Um, Minamino's goal is top-notch. Mane's touch and finish are, are beautiful, and the pass from Firmino, the no-look pass, is, is gorgeous. Then, well, what can you say about goal three? Uh, Bobby starts it and finishes it, and it's it's sublime from start to finish. And then you go into the second half, and and from what what was said earlier, and I can only echo it, we were a little sloppy, and we were it wasn't our best performance first half. Uh, we were saying in the group, I think Beryl texts that we're maybe sleepwalking into into an equalizer, and I think I jump in with yeah, we're, we're complacency seems to be setting in here. I think that's before Sadio spins and buries it, and after that we don't look back. But first half they had enough chances, and if if Jordan Ayew can get that that either take the shot or get the cross right, if he isn't offside, don't know if that would have been given or not. Um, but they should really equalise. There's there's no real argument there. I mean that that's. They're on their own. All he has to do is square that, and, and Zaha's got an open net. But they don't, and in the second half, we just go through the gears. Um, there's not a hint of, of easing up, which perhaps we've been guilty of in the past, and, and that's why I think it really was very much a, a, a decidedly deliberate statement yesterday. There is no fucking about. We're here, and we're here, and we mean business. And you can talk about our injuries and you can somehow kid yourselves into thinking we're not as good as we fucking show you every week. But actually we are. <laughs> and it's a little bit like that because I don't know what goes on in the world of football punditry. And maybe people can say. But what, what's, our, what's our next excuse, Neil? Well, that's what do you think? It. You know, because we had the injuries. Oh, the cow went away from home. Oh, this is their Achilles heel. That's their Achilles. And like, it's all bollocks. Well, that's 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 the way I feel. And I suppose it's the nature of the beast in that. They're running a TV business and they have to make it sound exciting and they can't say, well, quite clearly this team is head and shoulders above all the others, so we may as well just give them this now and talk about second place. But since the very start of last season, it's been quite, quite clear that we are on a different level to the rest of the sides and that, my my friends at BT Sport, is includes Manchester City 
So let's just get that straight, despite their manager and their reputation and their history from a few seasons ago. They are 20 points worse off than us last season, and they're probably going to end something like that this season as well. So let's just get that clear. There is, at the moment, without wanting to sound arrogant or cocky, you can quite clearly see the difference. When you watch and when you look at the statistics and you look at the results, and there was a time last season when we were 15 points clear, and you still had pundits saying that pound for pound, Manchester City were the best team in the league. And you're going... If anybody can put a run together, it's Manchester City. Exactly. And you're going, yeah, and, and all right, milk's black as well, guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and, and, you know, and the sun sets in the east. You know, it's basically one of them. They're kidding themselves. So yesterday was a moment, uh, Saturday afternoon, lunchtime, whatever you want to call it, was a moment and the moment where Liverpool said, we're still here. And in the words of the Jerry Adams' spitting image puppet, we haven't gone away, you know. No, I'm never sure a word said, you know. Dave, we haven't gone away. And I think I'll come to the post-match interview with, with Jordan Henderson where he's asked about the performance. He's standing in front of, of a camera. Um, he's just scored a worldie. They've walked off 7-0. They're top of the league going into Christmas. And the first thing that he says is, we were a bit sloppy in the first half and there's areas of the game that we could improve on. And that in itself, that in itself typifies the reason what is the why this team are where they are, where the standards, they, they, ne- they never reach the standards that they want to, but they will continue to strive for them. Yeah, they have two words for you, siege mentality. And, and I think that Liverpool, you know, really have that. It, it, it seems at the moment, you know, they've built us up in the press and now that they're, they would be delighted to see us falling down. And whilst we scored, scored seven magnificent goals, you know that somewhere down the line, you'll get a man, you uh, or, or uh, pundit or tactics, Timmy, um, Mr. Sherwood, who's a complete wanker, um, basically telling us how many chances we shipped. And, and Jordan Henderson very astutely, picked up on that first of all you know we give up those chances that's not good enough for us that's not the standards we set ourselves that's not what we do at this club and and, and Dave I, I I love that because honestly Henderson had an array of goals which we're going to talk about as we go forward that we could honestly wax lyrical about for two or three hours here and that's just the goals alone some of those goals were things of beauty um, that we scored but yet still the commentary I had on the punditry I watched after the game, oh, you know, Liverpool gave up a few chances. You know, they did give up a few chances. And it's always that they're always looking to be on the negative of it rather than appreciate what you've seen. Yeah, look, Crystal Palace found themselves a couple of times in decent positions. They don't have the quality of player to finish them quite clearly. So what are we talking about? Let's let's talk about the other end and everything that went on at that other end because it was it was absolutely it, it was it was as you, you called them killers. There was a complete another it, it was ruthless, ruthless, ruthless football. Uh, and, and and if you're that ruthless, you can afford to give up a chance here and there. Um, you know, as I say, Allison picked out a couple, and and there's no 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 real problem. It you, you've got Fabinho there, who's a centre midfielder, who's playing like Virgil Van Dijk. And and I don't think we can we can we have words to describe just the the the, the praise that should be heaped upon. Fabinho at the minute for the job he's doing. You know, he's not a natural centre-back, but Jesus Christ, he's doing a fair impression of it. 
Um, you know, he is going to get bamboozled here and there with, with with quality players. But as you rightly pointed out, Zaha is meant to be their quality player. He had him in his pocket after 10 minutes. Um, you know, so you can talk about that all you like. Henderson, for me, just did exactly the right thing. He shut down their narrative before they even got a chance to do it. And maybe, you know, I saw Klopp whisper in his ear after the, after the final whistle. I'm just wondering if Klopp put that notion into his head because, um, he, you know, he was straight out of the traps with it, Dave. Completely and utterly straight out of the traps. And as you say, any other captain, if you were the captain of that football team, you'd be waxing lyrical about Bobby Firmino. You'd be going on about how Mo Salah came on the, on the pitch for a, for a lunch break and fucking came off with two goals and an assist. There's so much more to talk about than that. And and I think it was really clever by Henderson. Yeah, it, it was. But like I say, Chief, it, it just it typifies the, the mentality of this team. Um, they're just ruthless is a word, uh, driven, but even the word driven doesn't really seem to do it justice. Champions, For, Dave, champions. Champions, but it's, it's, more, it's, it's more than that. It's more champions than that. Champions mentality, champions behavior. It, it, it's just, it's a, an entire culture that, an entire culture that's been built. And, you know, if we think about it, Chief, there, there's only a couple of players that remain from when Klopp, um, when Klopp arrived, and one of them is Jordan Henderson, who we've talked about. The other's the boy at the other end of the pitch, and oh dear me, dear me, like how good was Roberto Firmino on Saturday? His two goals, you know, are amazing. They're on, they're they're free to air on Pornhub apparently. Honestly, <laughs> it, it, like Chester. His performance, and I think we'd seen glimpses. I think there was a bit of concern about his form at the start of the season, but it's becoming more and more obvious that with Firmino, he's a guy that you have to play in the form. But, you know, that goal that he scored in the last minute against Spurs, it's it's not an easy finish, but he gets up. And see, as soon as he gets above the defender, he just, need, he just needs to head it. He just needs to head it in the right direction and Lloris isn't moving. And that goal, it's amazing what a goal can do for a centre forward because that performance on on Saturday afternoon was just absolutely sublime from his pressing. You know, there's countless examples where, where he uh, blocks um, clearances being made. We build attacks from there. His little assist to Mane, his two goals... What, what what is there to say about him? Because he's come for come in for a lot of criticism recently, but especially with pressure that fans have been suggesting that Jota is now the guy and Firmino's not doing it, so, and we've seen him play through the middle of Atlanta. He scores a hat trick, so everybody points to that and says, "Well, you know, maybe this is a transition." But actually, what we've got there is just an absolute genius. I will. I mean, it's but. To be honest, what you're saying about the Jota thing there is, and Jota's a very, very good player, and he's going to be a, an integral part of the squad, absolutely, and he's hit the ground running, but people saying, oh, Jota's the man, and Firmino's done, that's that's typical modern-day recency bias. Like, it's it's typical, what have you done for me lately? I can't remember what happened five minutes ago because something else just been shoved in front of me here. Um and often, unfortunately, in, in, in the modern era, we, we, we go for that all too easily. Um, 
I don't know what it is with Bobby. I mean, you could just put it down to something as basic as, as being tired and just whatever it is, he's he's back to 100%, whether it was a bit of confidence lost, whether it was a bit of tiredness, whether it is a case of just finding rhythm or that he feels happier now that he was able to play in front of some fans a couple of weeks ago and he feels like things are starting to get back to normal. Or, yeah, exactly. You know, it can, can be something football Based, it can be something Chase, in the wild. This, this might sound really reductive, but I think honestly, confidence has a lot to do with a player's form, and the mood that they're in has a lot to do with the player's form. And the fact that he scored that goal, he was able to run to the cop. You heard his song well, ring. You heard the, it. You heard his song ring out afterwards. That's the thing. And, you know, the, the goal is massively important. Massively it's important. It's not just the fact that it's a goal. For me, it's it's the type of goal that it is, i.e. it's a winner. It's in the last minute. It is in front of fans for the first time in how long? And it's against uh, your quote-unquote, well, what we talk about. How typically late, Bobby Firmino. How typically Bobby Firmino. Yeah, it's what he does. Bobby Firmino goal. It's what he's known for. He doesn't score 25 a season, but the ones he scores are the big ones. And that's exactly what it is. So it's all those things roll into one, and all of a sudden he looks absolutely on top of his game, like absolutely on top of. It's not just the, the finishes; it's the link-up play, it's the awareness, it's it's typified, it's by, it's typified by his first the joy on the see, face, it's, like yeah, it's, see, and it, it's typified by his first goal, isn't it? It absolutely is. It's gorgeous, but I think it's it's more so it's typified by the kung fu kick after it, like. You know, it's uh, I don't know if it's after the first or the second, but where he actually, where he's just like he almost takes he, uh, whoever comes to celebrate with him. I think it's Salah. I'm not sure, but he almost takes his face off. He's just like I'm just I'm just See, Robo this. again. I think uh, Robo nearly got him the last time, and, and Robo nearly got him this time with it as well. Yeah, right? so it was just it was just, but everything about him because he's had moments before where he scored a goal and you thought, well, maybe this is him sort of on his way back and it hasn't quite maybe just happened. But uh, now he looks absolutely on top of his game. So it's not just the goals. He, it's the all-round play. He's involved. He gets at least one assist as well. Um, his touches are great. He's beaming. His, his pearly whites are, are there for all to see. And he looks absolutely sensational. And I have to say, the entire front three did. Sadio Mane, let's be honest, he's been off for weeks. He's still been putting in performances because he's Sadio Mane. And even an off Sadio Mane gives you a 6.5 out of 10 or a 7 out of 10. But we know him much more as a 9 out of 10. And even though he only got his 58 minutes and he was raging to only get the 58 minutes, they were 58 good minutes. He also was on it from minute one. He he gets the assist from Minamino to begin with. His goal is absolutely sharp as you like. And, um, see the goal just, I think it's interesting because the goal almost looked to me like it was born out of frustration because he absolutely assaults that ball into the net. Well, if you, if you remember, if you think back to the last couple of games, he has a chance like that. Is it against Fulham or is it in, in the, I think it's against Fulham. He has a chance like that. And Ariola saves it, gets down and saves it, and it's it's really a quick one. It's one he's just flashed it, and, 
And I think the commentator goes something along the lines of, of Manny, he's not had a good game, but it just takes a second for him. One like that. And then against Spurs, he gets in down the side and smashes the crossbar. So it's sort of been coming. But, he's, you know, I mean, we've talked about it ourselves, both on and off air, that he's not been right for a while. And he was top-notch. Then you think, how's Salah going to be having sat out for 60 minutes? He comes on and tears it up. You know, uh, so the front three are front four. Lethal Minamino gets his first league goal and is involved all day um, and gets singled out by Klopp for praise um, for, for the work he's been doing in training and, and with the squad and, and so on. So, I mean, it's it's really a perfect day. I mean, Bobby Firmino is brilliant and that's great to see because, as I say, he's been an issue. But Sadio Mane has been an issue as well, albeit um, a rather a muted one but still still causing a little bit of concern. And, of course, Oxlade-Chamberlain gets his first minutes for, for over a year and, and comes through well. So he gets a run out. And all in all, it, it's just a perfect day. It's just an absolutely perfect day. We get the away game hoodoo off our back. Personally, I didn't buy into that anyway. As you know, I was always behind the mitigating circumstances of the ridiculous VAR calls and the fact that those games last season were mostly dead rubbers. Um, but that particular monkey is is now off the back. The goal difference monkey after getting spanked by Villa is off the back. We've got lads coming back from injury. Bobby Firmino's back to top form. Uh, Sadio Mane's back to top form. It's, it is really a perfect day, or it was. May I yeah. just come in, Dave? Please do. Just one one thing that Chief left out, because I agree with everything that he says, but Bobby was winning the ball back so much and, and just breaking up, you know, breaking them up before they even got started. You know, and that got lost in how good his performance actually was. But it was a complete performance because he did, he did all the, the the dirty stuff of winning balls back and and never left, never left them in peace. I, I, I was just blown away by his performance, man of the match, and only by a wafer, and he was sensational. I think everyone's probably eight to nine out of ten. I think he's way over ten. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. Um, but that's just me. Um, and he's come in for a lot of criticism. And, you know, I think people who watch Liverpool all the time understand what he does to the side. And sometimes, it, as you say, Dave, even that work went go, it went unnoticed. It goes unnoticed because you've got the highlights, you've got the assists, you've got the, the gorgeous, gorgeous breakaway second goal or for, uh, sorry, third goal with the 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 touch and the pass on the outside of the foot and the breakneck run, trade neck, breakneck run. And then that first touch and, and the outside of the foot finish um, is, is sublime. And then the second one, he's no right to score from there. You know, he's no right to score and he dinks it with his left foot. And that's a, that, that, that's a head of goal, a right foot goal and a, and a left foot goal. Um, which, which one's better, Dave? Which which one do you think? Because it's, it's, it's a fucking dilemma. The second one's the better finish. The first one's the better goal. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, give you that one. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I'll concede you on that one. Yeah, so the first for everything, isn't it? First time for everything, Dave. So, listen, um, I think it would be remiss not to mention uh, the back four. The back four, superb. Two full backs. Um, their passing, as ever, is, is unbelievable. But 
just a moment on on the Fabinho Matter partnership. It seems to be working really well, Dave. And Fabinho just looks so he looks like dominant. Like dominant. Zaha in the first ten minutes tries to tries to take him on. He says, Well, I'm gonna have a run. This lad, he's a cent- he's a centre midfielder. I'm gonna have a go at him. And he shows him down the outside and just he just takes it off him. He doesn't tackle him. He doesn't kick him. He just takes it off him. And then strides away with the ball, plays it in the midfield, and we're off. Zaha's game was over. Zaha's game was over from that point. If, you know, those two, those two look as good, if not potentially better than, than Gomez Van Dyke. Hang on now. You know, Virgil's only been away a couple of months. Let's not yeah, forget. Yeah, but no, I understand that. But Come I think on, behave. I'm, ta- I'm talking. About, I'm ta- Dave. I'm talking about partnerships. I'm not talking about Virgil. Oh, okay. Virgil's obviously oh. he's not just the best centre half of our club. He's the best centre half of the world. But I'm talking about okay. partnerships. There's something. There's something really surprising. Uh, the fact that it, it works, considering it's so fractured most of the time. That that's that's the that's the big key point for me, Dave. Well, well, that's um, the you, thing. You know, they just look as though they've been playing together for years, don't they? Absolutely, but Fabinho is like I remember reading about him way back, whenever he was at Monaco, and I think the year that they got to the semi-final was it of the uh, the Champions League? It was about four or five years ago, and and I think it was James Knowlton at the time had written a piece on him and and how he would be perfect for Liverpool, and 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 I think he sort of touched on you know there's other areas of of the pitch he can cover beyond the midfield, and uh, by God he can. And as you say, it's 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 no slight neither Gomez or or Van Dijk to say it. I'm sure they're, they're they're as delighted as we are that it's working out the way it is. But for me, the big surprise, Dave, is the fact that you know they've been able to build it the speed in which they've been able to build it because number one, centership partnerships we've seen them down the years. They can be brilliant and they can be you know they're hit and miss, but these pairs just seem to work. Uh, but then. You look at you look at young young, young wheat oh, good lord can nearly speak uh, young Reese Williams and and he came, and I you know look there's the odd error and, and look Fabinho will make the odd error because he's a midfielder and you know errors that he'll learn from hopefully they'll not be costly but at the well, moment he's like, only he's only essentially we forget he's only just learning the position absolutely he is. And if that's as good as he is, I've also seen, Dave, I don't know what your thoughts on this would be, but I saw it actually on Twitter this morning, the fact that Fabinho actually could remain being a centre-back whenever Verge comes back. I think he brings too much in the midfield for me. If we have a, if we have a complete fit, fit back line, I'd much prefer to see him in his midfield role because his range of passing is magnificent and there's a shot on him as well. Um, I, I'm just curious your 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 thoughts on that one. I think it's a really interesting question because I think if you're looking at it from a strategic recruitment perspective, it it would probably be easier to replace him in the midfield than it would be to replace him at centre half. Because as we know, there is a a fairly short stockpile of decent centre halves, not only in England, but about Europe. You know, you're talking Manchester United are paying £85 million for Harry Maguire. Forty million pound for Lindelof. We know what City have forked out on centre halves over the years of a variant of qualities, but none of them are anywhere close to probably all of ours, aside from Reese Williams. So 
if you look at it from that perspective, I think from a recruitment and a business sense, that seems to be probably the logical solution. So, um, well, hang on, Dave. Let, let, let's factor in the emergence of, of Curtis Jones, who, who uh, like on all evidence, again, he came on there, um, uh, we're comfortably ahead, whatever. But the, the, uh, this kid's great. You've, we've just bought Tiago. Is, is it something that we think about? You know, you've Reese Williams coming through. Um, you've Nat Phillips, who's shown he's, he can do a job. We don't. Do we really need to buy a centre back? You know what maybe. I mean? Because if, if 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 he's that good, what does Klopp think? Because this could maybe be a way of keeping Fabinho more happy with sharing the responsibility between. Or, or does that is it, the shared position is that a detriment to his game? I know Mascherano did it. it. It's a really interesting sort of one to ponder. It is interesting. Um, on Jones, just I think, you know, he's benefited obviously from from the injuries that we've had, but they'll always be looking to try and promote kids. Jones looks like he's literally just going to slot into that midfield. And the interesting thing for me was that he's the one that gets rested. Like, don't get me wrong, he's not dropped for that game. He's rested for that game. Kind of comes in and he plays well, but we know we can't rely on him. But for me, I think Jones has played a lot of football. I think it's eight starts at 11 or 12. Um, I know Jeannie, Jeannie's got a lot of minutes. Hendo's done a lot of minutes recently. He's like an old piece of iron, is what you're saying. Pretty much. But Klopp's uh, very vocal on his perspective of protecting the young players. Um, so I feel that Curtis Jones has been rested. I think that's that's literally the level that he has got to now in the pecking order of those midfield positions. I think he's probably third, fourth choice. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, just on that, I mean, I would, I would, I would agree. I think before the season he was regarded as certainly one that would be in the in the fifteen or the fourteen every week. Um but now he's pushed himself to, to one that's in the first eleven and, and of course that does come down to injuries, but you've got to take your chance. And he's been given the chance because of injuries, but he's very much grabbed it and said, Well, it's my place now, lads. So, you know, good come luck. Come and take come and take it off me. Exactly. Good luck getting rid of me. Um and that's brilliant because that's exactly what you want. Um, and as far as Fabinho's concerned, well, this season he isn't a midfielder. So you can just, he's not a midfielder. So he's not going to play in midfield this season because we don't, two of our centre backs are not going to come back. So that's just not going to happen. So by the time we get to next season and you've got Virgil potentially coming back in some sort of condition, and Joe Gomez coming back in some sort of condition, and maybe it takes them another two, three months, three and a half months, four, maybe it's Christmas, by the time they're looking anything like back up to, to real shape like they were, because we don't just need them to be to be back to, to match fitness, we need them back to peak to come in to continue what we're doing. So by then... Does he still see himself as a central midfielder if he's kneeled down? Neil, that's that's... interesting. I I would love to know his own thoughts. Is he happy? Would he be happy staying in, in you know his place in the team? Because this this team is getting harder, and these places are red hot competition. And he is more. I mean, he's good enough at central midfield. There's no doubt. And what the job he does there is a little bit more specific than perhaps the other midfielders we have. 
But having said that, that possibly makes him slightly less versatile in the midfield. And given what you, the number of top quality midfielders on our books that you've just listed there, after a year and a half at centre-back, and if he's won a title playing at centre-back, and potentially maybe even a European title playing at centre-back, does he want to then relearn central midfield and, and go back in there? Does he want to, or or does he see himself perhaps as you know, as 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 a centre back going forward? I, I think in, there's two. The I think there's thing. two. There's two things here, Chief. For me, is that first of all, he'll probably look at that and think that's another string to my bow, and this actually might prolong my career for two or three years. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. The, I mean, the other. Like the other thing is, is yeah. yeah, the other thing is, I think you're right in what you're saying. He, he's he's more limited than any of our midfielders. He doesn't have that versatility. Henderson can play, you know, six or either of the eights, the advanced pressing Kaida one or the genie go around and do everything for everybody one. Um, as can Thiago, as can obviously Wijnaldum. You know, they can play all three of those midfield positions. Um, Kaida could probably do it as well, whereas Fabinho doesn't have that luxury of the versatility. So he'll probably be looking at that and going, I've, there, there's two avenues into this side then. There's two avenues into this side now. And when push comes to shove and I'm, I'm moving into my mid-30s, early mid-30s, I can do a Mascherano and I can go to maybe 36 instead of 34, play centre half, have a... Much better, not much better career, but a marginally better career than I would have. So, to me, that makes total sense. Chief, what I want to do just before we go is because I think it's interesting. Um, we've talked the Reds. The Reds are amazing, and we could talk about them forever and ever and ever. And we'll come back to them just before we finish off. But I think Manchester City are really interesting at the minute. Um, they're not scoring a lot of goals. They're not creating a lot of chances. Um, they've kept an uncharacteristic seven clean sheets in their last eight games. Um, and to me, it looks like Guardiola, one of Guardiola's traits was he was he would never compromise, never compromise on his, on his, um, his core beliefs. Um, and then whenever we smashed him a couple of times, we saw him for our games compromise what he did, particularly away from home. Um, we remember the game the Mares penalty um, that was missing in the last minute, and they came to spoil. And it was the most un-Pep Guardiola performance we've ever seen. But what it looks like now, to me, is that he hasn't just compromised his his core beliefs and how he believes football should be played for just one individual game against his closest challenges. He's nearly compromised it for an entire title campaign against his closest challengers. Certainly based on, you know, possibly based on the likes of the Spurs result, the likes of the, the Leicester result earlier in the season. I don't know what your thoughts are, but for me, this is interesting as to how we're potentially, as a side and Klopp as a manager, impacting how he views where his best route to success is in the Premier League. No, absolutely. And... Personally, I think that we've broken them. Um, they have, I mean, it, it, there's been a lot of talk this season um, because Man City have stopped creating chances and stopped scoring goals. 
that they're playing a, a different style and that their Guardiola's changed things and, and he's really trying to tighten up. And I think there's probably a degree, there's a degree of truth to that in that I think that he has tried to shut things down a little bit in the sense that, I, you know, i.e. not playing so open. Yeah, um, a little bit more steel, a little bit more concern about stopping chances being created against. Having said that, I think there's being a little too much made of that. And while they haven't conceded too many goals in the last seven games or whatever it is, they haven't scored too many either. And I'm not necessarily that convinced that it's a massive tactical shift, rather one kind of out of necessity or, or rather by consequence of the fact that they're not really creating that much. So I don't know. It's a bit of a chicken and egg, egg and chicken situation here. What comes first? Are they tighter at the back because they're they're deliberately trying to be tighter at the back and therefore playing a less expansive game? Or are they having to be tighter at the back because they're, they're not creating chances going forward and not scoring goals and therefore they're having to be tight to win games 1-0? Um, I don't know. I'll have to be honest because I want to come back to what you mentioned earlier about Guardiola changing styles and, 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 and sacrificing philosophy and so on. And if you didn't know Man City were managed by Pep Guardiola now, if you watched them play, you certainly wouldn't think they were. Um, they're very, very dull to watch at the moment. They don't create much. And you certainly wouldn't know that they've got a 400 million pound squad because they're not playing like it. Um, I my take on City is that the 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 ninety nine point season or whatever it was, the one where they beat us by one point, that 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 spent them, that that exhausted them, and since then the breakup of their team or the loss of particular players, i.e. company and and one or two more, have rendered that side along along with the the, the relative kind of. Uh, perhaps tiredness and jadedness of the rest of the squad, having done four years under Guardiola now. They've never been able to recapture those those heights, that quality. Um, they showed flashes last season where they would beat, I don't know, a Watford 6-0 or earlier this season where they beat a, a, a wretched Burnley 5-0. But, I bet they always beat Burnley 5-0. Well, that's it. But last season, as we know, they lost the game. They lost one and four, didn't they? Or was it even one and three? Something, something yeah, they dropped, points. they dropped points one and three last year. I think they dropped points one and three and managed to lose one and four because I think they lost nine games last season. Um, and that's just not good enough, the way things have been. Now, this season, like I said, they're not conceding that many, but they're not scoring that many. And they haven't done particularly well so far this season and for me that's a continuation from last season and they're still dropping points one and three or one and four whatever it is so it's not getting better and for me that's a continuing pattern and like we've talked about the football narrative and some people like that word some people don't whatever it is the, the press story whatever you want to talk about the way that it's framed football is framed everything is new every season like like every every season exists in a vacuum almost and they're talking about Man City as if last season hadn't occurred and, and we're coming off the back of the season where they got the 99 points. Well, news for everyone, we're not. We're coming off a season where they got 80-something points and finished 20 points behind us. And we're lucky 
almost in the end to get second. Now this season they're being challenged by the likes of Spurs, by the likes of Man United, by the likes of Chelsea. And will they have the answers? By the likes of Leicester? Yeah, by the I, likes of Everton? That's it. But I think over the course of the season, they'll have far too much for a Leicester, for an Everton, whatever. But I'm not convinced they're finishing second. And I'm not convinced they are the quote-unquote only challengers to Liverpool in this in this league. As far as there are any other challengers, I don't put City ahead of, of, of the other two, Spurs or Chelsea, at this point, going off the basis of the last season and a half. I, I disagree with you there, Chief. I, I do see them as second. But second, a long, long, long way behind us. I just so have Dave, no can belief. I come in... to, can I come to you? Can I come to you on this, Dave? Um, I watched. Sure. I watched. I'm absolutely positive. Um, I watched uh, this the City Southampton game, and at the end of the match, the one one nil. It's been a hard. Southampton had the second best home record in the league after us, and they've gone there, and that's a good result. Um. They haven't conceded a goal. Again, that's something that they've struggled with. They win 1-0. It's totally unlike them. And Kevin De Bruyne has the ball in the corner. And he literally just punts it out of play. Like, in pure disgust at what has just happened. It's almost like they've been... It's it's almost like he's Gary Cahill, you know, after just losing 7-0. And I just wonder... You know, are they all just having a shit time? Because they, they won the league easily two years ago. Last year, sorry, they won the year three easily, years ago. Three years ago, the year after they went toe to toe with us, right? Absolutely to the wire, and they win by like a million and one pot shot. That's how they win the league: a million and one Vincent Company pot shot in the top corner. And they think, great, this is fantastic. And then the next night, what do we do? We go and probably pull off one of the greatest Champions League comebacks in history. Like, literally rivals Istanbul. That's literally what it does. Um, because that really is the European Cup, that victory. And at the same time, then, you know, they're like, oh, these guys have almost had us again. They're the media darlings. Everybody hates us. You have Manchester City fans breaking into the studios in Wembley shouting, why don't you just write about Liverpool? So you always just write about Mo Salah, blah, blah, blah. And then last year, they're obliterated. And it's all just too hard. And it's all just it's all just too much hassle. And to me, it looks a lot like, particularly the De Bruyne, he hasn't scored a goal from open play in something like eight months or something I heard. It just all looks like it's got to them, doesn't it? Dave, you know, both Chief and yourself make very, very good points. And uh, my spin on it is, as I say, I, I would still have them second because I think they're the caliber of player that they have and the amount of those players that they have will always stand them in good stead. The thing they're missing is match winners. You know, if you're in a deep, dark corner, as fantastic a footballer as Kevin De Bruyne is, do you want them with you? Because in the last couple of seasons, evidence, I, I, I don't. Do you want Raheem Sterling with you? No. Do you want Bernardino? No. Do you want Mares? No. Do you want Laporte? No. Ederson? No. Now, you translate that to our team. You know, the guys who stand up. These guys are... I, I, I honestly believe that... Do you remember when, when company left and they couldn't decide who was captain? That speaks volumes. That 
screams red lights to me because if 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 Jordan Henderson isn't the captain, think of how many capable candidates you could think of in that Liverpool dressing room. How many can you think of in the City dressing room? How many how many of those players have shown themselves over the last three four years to be leaders to stand up? Maybe Aguero a little bit. But it was all company and Fernandinho back in the day. And let's not forget the influence of David Silva, who was there for a very long time as well. And, you, you know, as, as, as legends go, he's a city legend. Uh, and maybe we under, and underestimate the influence that, that, that a David Silva would have had as well. And I think it's all to do with influence. I don't think there's any, there's any great – I could be completely wrong. It's only my opinion. But I think there's not a great deal of influence – um, in that dre- in the dressing room, I don't think there's there, there's guys standing up and holding their hands up and and taking control of it. You know what I mean? We we know it's we have Milner. We have, it's interesting to say that, Dave, because did you see the um, did you see the report on uh, Wijnaldum? Um, I'm not sure whether it was the beginning of the match or the the beginning of the Spurs match or at halftime, um, and he got up in front of the dressing room and literally said. Let's not waste another half like we did at Fulham. We wasted the first half at Fulham. Let's never do that again. And there's similar things that have been said about him um, before the the Barcelona game. Um, So, you know, he's where he's where in our list of captaincies, like fourth or fifth down the line. But Dave, when you start thinking of the same way about City, who jumps out as a leader to you? Can you imagine anybody in the city dressing room doing that? No, no I love Kevin De Bruyne. I love him. I think he's a fantastic young man, fantastic footballer, great at it. But he, in footballing terms, he's a sheep. He needs a leader to, to drive him on. I wouldn't want Kevin De Bruyne, and I say this a lot of times, and Chief, I'll come to you just because I think you share my opinion on this, that I, like, I wouldn't want Kevin De Bruyne to pull me out of a hole. Kevin De Bruyne is not – Kevin De Bruyne is – as technically gifted as he is and probably one of the most technically gifted footballers I've ever seen. He's not Steven Gerrard. He is not going to fucking grab a game by the scruff of the neck and go and win it by himself. He's not going to blam one in in the FA Cup final in the last minute or head one in the Champions League when you need a goal more than you've ever needed a goal. That's not... Well, he isn't isn't at Man City and he isn't anymore. I mean... I do agree with you because I've been paying particular attention to him in this last sort of six months or so because obviously City are, are whether we like it or not, they're rivals and De Bruyne gets talked about a lot and in, in comparison with our players. And, you know, he only ever gets spoken about in glowing terms and to a certain extent rightly so because he is a fabulous fo- footballer in terms of what he can do and the skills he has, his technical ability, his range of passing, his free kicks, you know, he can score any type of goal, all the rest of it. But the one thing that he that has been lacking for him is he doesn't show up in the big games when it really counts. You know, he doesn't score winners in cup finals. He doesn't score the only goal of the game when you need to grind out a 1-0 against a shitty team. He's all he's he's quite happy to bang two or th- a couple in in a six nil route or whatever or or provide a few assists when when uh, when things are going well. But and to be fair to him, he comes up he comes up with assists you know fairly regularly. He has he has very good stats on that. But he isn't he isn't or he hasn't been putting in your 
your Gareth Bale performances the last season he played for Tottenham where he was winning games. Neil, do you do you, do you feel do you feel that that's maybe extra pressure that's been heaped on him because I do. everything everything that we've said there we 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 wax lyrical we love him he's a superb footballer but all of a sudden he's the centre point and I don't think he's comfortable at that. And I think he's the centre point because they've got fuck all else. And I think that's the biggest. Well, he's exactly. never, he's never, he's, he's never had to do it before. That's the biggest issue. He's and what is he? Twenty-eight, twenty-eight or something, and he's never had to do it before. Well, I mean, when he really broke through, and I'm talking after he left Chelsea, when Chelsea dropped the ball and 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 sold him to Wolfsburg, or he was on loan at Wolfsburg for a couple of years, and that's when I saw him first really start. And and I was watching him going, oh my god, this kid is immense. He is head and shoulders, and that was a season. I think I think maybe Ed and Jacko was at Wolfsburg and, uh, at the time, and I think I think they maybe won the Bundesliga. They were certainly in the top three for like two, three seasons in a row. Your man, um, the left back, the Swiss left back, who everyone raved about for years and said we were going to sign and we never. Oh, did. Uh, begins with the R, doesn't it? Yeah, Rodriguez is it or something? Uh, yes, it is. Uh-huh. Uh, he had that. He had like the welfare Virgil van Dijk haircut. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He um, he was playing there. And, Ricardo Rodriguez. Um, Sorry, Ricardo carry on. Ricardo Rodriguez, isn't it? It's yeah. double R. So yeah, I mean they had a good side, but he was he was he ran the show. He absolutely ran it, and he, he was a box to box midfielder, and he he could do everything. He could do absolutely everything, and he he took games by the scruff of the neck. Then no bother, but he was just another player, and he was a kid, so there's no pressure on him. The first couple of seasons, said he do really well under Guardiola and De Bruyne there. He's another cog, or another, not a cog, but another part, another brilliant bow to the already gifted orchestra. He is a cog, there. though, because that is Guardiola's side. Everybody plays a part, everybody does well, the job. He, yeah, he was, he, but he's been fashioned into that cog mm-hmm. over those years, and now he's expected to be the virtuoso again. And I think he's maybe lost a little bit of that, or lost a little bit of how to be that, or they're not set up to give him that. But as we've, that's why I'm saying that, and I understand why people disagree with me, and I understand why Dave disagrees with me, and I totally get that they still have very good players, and on paper they are the second best squad, probably. And the, the sh- and the shite that's below them as well, Neil. I, I totally agree, but I think. On a city basis, if you, they've been on a journey with Guardiola, and in the beginning it was a, it was an ascendant journey. It, they were going up and up and up, but they hit the fucking glass ceiling, and they shattered for me, and they're they're falling back to earth, or they cracked, and they're slowly falling back to earth piece by piece. Do you by think piece. a la- la- lack of a real passionate fan base plays into it as well, Neil? I think there's a lot of things, to be honest. I think the fan base could could play a part, certainly, in terms of the players. We, we referenced that a few times about how they won the domestic treble and nobody gave a fuck. So that maybe maybe does have something to do with it some, somewhere in there. But to be honest, they're professionals, and I don't know how much it does. But I tell you, I think what does get to a team and what gets to top, top players is when they sort of realise that they're banging their head off a brick wall almost for nothing. And I think when you look at City's results in the Champions League and you look at the results when they've come in the big games against us 
us in the league because we're the only ones that have really mattered until this season and the field against the others now this season we've mentioned Leicester we mentioned Spurs also their failure in the Champions League season upon season coupled with bizarre selections and tactical setups in those games which have been referenced now by players by sources in the dressing room and the consistent defeats in those games and that's not just been it, and that's not just been it, that's not just been at city chief yeah, it's been everywhere, but for the City team, those players like Kevin De Bruyne are sitting there, must be sitting there going, well, it doesn't matter what I do. Because I know when it comes to the fucking crunch in the biggest game of the season, he's going to drop four of the, he's maybe going to drop me, and he's going to drop three of the other lads, and he's going to play a fucking bizarre team, and we're going to get knocked out by Nice. Chief, can I just, just say this one thing? Um, and I, I totally agree with everything you said. And I can imagine Kevin De Bruyne sitting there thinking it doesn't matter what I do. And this this is gen this is actually the heart of my point. It's the core of my point. Is that no matter what side Steven Gerrard was playing in, no matter what manager he had, yeah, he made it happen. He made it happen. Yep. He decided he was going. He made to make it his it business to make it. Yeah, his business yep. was to make it. And happen. he decided he was going to take that responsibility off his manager. He was going to bail every other person in the club out, and he was going to make it happen. Be it Olympiacos, be it you know he's, the lad scored in every major cup final, every major cup final, every you know, big game, any time. Every every top game that you needed a goal. I mean, last minute goals. I mean, the goal, probably the most important goal he ever scored was the the three one in Istanbul. Uh, and yeah, we don't need to go through Stephen Gerrard's top goals, but you're absolutely right in making that comparison. De Bruyne at City is not Gerrard at Liverpool, and he will never be able to drag them through on his own. But there's no. none of them are Neil. There's there's none of them that are, that are even in that mold. I like who? To be example, honest, who is, very, who is City's captain? Who is City's there are captain? Very few footballers left like that anymore because the game has sort of evolved, hasn't it? You don't get you don't get too many of the Roy the Rovers types anymore because it's oh, all about no, absolutely not. But you would systems. think you don't get you, you think, don't you don't get those players, Chief. But like we referenced earlier on, you get leaders. You get boys yeah. that you get. You get Genie Wijnaldum who comes I, on. You get Genie Wijnaldum that comes on at half time um, in a European Cup semi final and scores two goals. You get I boys like that. Ultimately, that city issue and and sort of what I've been referencing the whole time. It all ties in at a slow and steady chipping away of what made that that city team so good, and it doesn't have many of those components left. I reckon that Guardiola would happily. Trade Chelsea squad for the squad that he has now. hundred percent. They're younger. They're fitter. They're hungrier. Happily. So listen, lads. Let's just um, quickly wrap things up. Um, it's the next game's West Brom, and a little bit of a concern, Dave, just for me because this this season has just it's had my head all over the fucking place you know and now we've got big sam you know like, <laughs> I, I was looking at the fixtures earlier on but you know i think villa's our fourth game and we win three in the bounce and we look irresistible we're scoring goals left right and center and yeah we can see three at home to the leads but they're kind of an unknown quantity and we still 
going in the game because that's what we do. And then Villa smashes seven, and then all kinds of mad far stuff happens. So my head's a wee bit all over the place. We've gone out there and we've won seven nil, right? And to be fair to Palace, they, they kind of tried to have a go, and people will probably look at that and think to themselves, that was a really fucking stupid idea, wasn't it, the way things ended up? And Sam Allardyce is going to rock in the Anfield. He hates us, and he loves getting a result at Anfield more than any other fucker I have ever met. Well, I haven't met him. Maybe He hasn't from... met this carnation of Liverpool yet either. No, he has not. That That is the absolute truth. That is the absolute truth. But there is certainly a scenario here where we're going to see like a, a 6-4-0 formation for a full 95 minutes or whatever it's going to end up. Yeah, I mean, I would I would fully expect to see that. But to be fair, I, I, I don't have any fear. I, I, just, I just don't. Not with this Liverpool team. And... I just think we've got players coming back. We've got the seven-day break. We looked absolutely irresistible. They've got tanked tonight in their derby at home. They've lost their captain, who'll be suspended next week for a ridiculous over-the-ball challenge on Jack Grealish. And they, I mean, he's got seven days to really pick up the pieces there and try and stick them back together. All he can hope for is a nil-nil. So... Off the back of that, and given how good we are, his first big game back in management in five years with the squad that he has. We're at home as well, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, forget about it. Put the fork in. It's done already. From- cool enough. Dave, um, what sort of team do you see? We, we, we'll expect the same back four. We'll expect the front three. So let's just play the midfield game. And Is Thiago coming back? No, I think still too soon for me. Too soon for me. Um, I, I like this. But like for, the first, it, like for the first time in fucking ages, we've we've literally got five five players to pick from. We've got we've got Henderson, Wijnaldum, Jones, Kaida, and Chamberlain. We've got five yeah, players. But you hit the nail on the head, Dave. You hit the nail on the head. You're talking about sequences of wins. He will go the strongest that he can possibly mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. to get the, because it's momentum, and that's the word I started this podcast with. So what's the strongest momentum. three? Cheney, Hendo, Jones. Yep, I, I agree with that. I'm all over that. I, I think Jones, and I I was critical of him. I was critical of that kid, and by Jesus, he shut my mouth. But like Minamino uh, and his performance in the game. Um, at the weekend there, but I I think Jones is there on merit, and I I'll tell you what that kid's going to take some shifting out of that midfield. He's been man of the match for me the last two games he started. He's he's got I wouldn't go that far Neil, but I'll I'll say this much he'll take some shifting. I think he was I think he was man for me he was man of the match against Fulham, and what was the other one? was did he start he didn't start did he start Spurs started yeah. Spurs he did he, really he did Spurs. indeed yeah. So I I mean I I really think against Fulham. Sure, he had that mazy run and all, and near scored the George Way, George Way ago. Remember, <laughs> um, the end he gets saved. So I think he was definitely man of the match there, and he, he was right up there against Spurs, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he would come in for me as well because Thiago's probably, as you say, probably not the game for him, even if he is. Fit- Neil, as long as he, as long as he's back and firing for United, we're good. Yeah. That's that's we, the way I'm looking at it. You don't want to bring him back in to face a big Sam team first game, like do you? He's, he's just—he's probably going to get two-footed after. Yeah, go, no, like, what the fuck says? What <laughs> manner of football is this? 
Yeah, probably probably a good reason not to play Naby as well. So I would I would probably go with just Jones. Um, I think if if for nothing else, then his ability to shoot from outside the box and he can create something, he can find the right pass, and he is probably one of our more inventive and creative midfielders. See, before you know we go, another thing, Dave. Go one, one thing before we go, Dave. Do you know it's a great encouragement for me as well for this? The amount of chances that we carved out of Tottenham. Okay, we didn't take them, but that that's more or less what we're coming up against, against lesser players than Tottenham. And if we manage it against Tottenham, we should be more than enough for this. Yeah, it's a really, really good point, man. It's a really good point. Chase, um, let's just finish. Favourite goal from Saturday? Fuck me. Um, just trying to think. So... Six and seven are Salah's two, aren't they? Six and seven, Salah's two. Five is Firmino's dink. Four is Henderson's curler away from the keeper. Three is Bobby's Firmino's breakaway. Yeah. yeah, it's really difficult. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not able to single it. I'm not able to single it out. But I, th- I think Bobby's two are the two best. I think just yeah. the first one, as you say, the move. The the flow and nature of the fact it's a breakaway, the glorious touch and finish, but the second one as well, the pass from Salah, the touch from Bobby, and the finish is just sublime. So both of them for me, and then a big shout out to the Bandy Carter right at the end, top top corner like. But for me, Bobby's two are are are, are my favourite. Dave, ah. Uh. Well, since he's gone for those two, which would have been my pick, but I I, I go for Hendo's bullet. I thought that was, I thought it was a great hit. I really yeah. did, and I, it, and I think it's I think it's important for him as well to get that goal. Yeah, he he loves that position, that kind of corner of the box, and normally it's a bit Gerard esque, isn't it? Remember Gerard yeah. finished with, with those sort of curlers to the well, side. to be honest with you, Trent didn't half invite him. Trent sat that just oh, on 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 a plate, like yeah. just on a I think, plate. I think that's that's one of those things we see that from Hendo a lot, but but more often it's the it's the it's the bend it's the away swinging cross to the back post. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously something that they work on and I think it's really nice when that goes in I'm going to go for the second because I think it, it's the type of thing that we're going to have to do this season um, where it's just, it's, a, it's a melee of like, bodies in the ground trying to win the ball and we find this little bit of calmness in the midst of it all where Firmino just plays this lovely little reverse pass and Mane's but, but that goal was as much about Firmino as it was Manny, Dave. That, and that's I, what I mean. think that's why I couldn't go for it. Yeah, I, I, what, you know, I, that that's what I mean. It, it's it's that calmness that we're going to have to find in the box that I don't necessarily think we had against Spurs, where we, you know, we 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 basically passed a lot of shots in Dolores's hands, and it was a little bit similar against Fulham and Chief. You referenced Jones's chance where he made the easy run, but. Wasn't it? It wasn't really a decent shot in the end. Um, it was comfortable for the keeper. So that's that's the sort of thing I want to see. I want to see us winning the ball, finding a bit of calmness amongst a packed area, and literally just violently um, abusing the ball into the back of the net. So, lads, anything before we wrap up before Christmas, other than Merry Christmas, everybody. Don't think so. Just happy to be top of the league and sitting pretty again. 
I'm saying to myself, it takes Dave. We've nothing to complain about the minute. Qualified for the Champions League, top of the group, untouchable, but top of the league at the minute. Nobody can touch us at the minute. What's it to complain about? Happy Christmas, everybody. Thank you for listening throughout the year. Yes, thank you for listening. And I've never actually said this before, but see if you could just like give us a wee Christmas present. Leave a review or something or like a star thing where you push stars and push all of them. So I just push all of them. Just push for the crack. Them. Just to show you, show you, show us you, you you exist. We don't care about any. We're not revenue or anything. We just like to know people exist. Yeah, just push all the stars. Be great. All the Are stars. you right there? Yeah, as many stars as Liverpool have European Cups, push that many and we'll be happy. So, until after Christmas, Merry Christmas, everybody. Up the ruthlessly rampant Reds. Yeah.